Passing Dimes is proud to welcome a new partner to the show, Momentum Pro Camps. Momentum Pro Camps runs volleyball camps across Ontario, bringing professional athletes, coaches, and resources to communities, clubs, and partners. Momentum's mission is to inspire and develop high performers for life, and they're doing just that. Unfortunately, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Momentum has suspended all programming until permitted by local public health recommendations. However, they have developed incredible future programming for athletes to benefit from and are excited to share it with all of you when we can play again. Follow us on social media at Momentum Pro Camps for updates and details on future programs or email us at contact at MomentumProCamps.com. Stay excellent, friends. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode six of Sharp Cuts. Garrett, I'm just going to try to keep this really, really short because I'm excited for today's guest, and I want to get to the banter as fast as we can. So for our listeners out there, if you're looking for the podcast, that's an interview style. That's really to showcase what they're about. This one is is going to get off the board. We're going to disagree, agree. We're going to share some laughs, but I'll toss it over to my guy, my partner in crime, the, the guy who had the idea for this show from Yes Guy Gaming, Garrett May. Take it away, my friend. Well, thanks, Josh, and welcome, everybody, to Sharp Cuts, Episode 6. We're super excited about this episode, uh, hopefully having some banter, having some laughs. We'll see what happens, though. Who knows with these two guests? So first up, I'll introduce a returning guest to the show, one I have to introduce first, otherwise I would never hear the end of it. Fan favorite of the show, I'm really disappointed to say that, but absolutely voted undisputed fan favorite of the show, maybe not after this episode. It's John May. Welcome back to the show, Dad. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to be on. Look forward to the uh, conversation. Well, great. Um, and thank you for not phoning me this week, reminding me that you're the uh, highest voted guest. I appreciate that. Um, moving on to our, our second guest of the show, uh, family friend, well-known in the volleyball community, has a special place in all of our hearts, Olympic bronze medalist. It's Mark Heese. Welcome to the show, Mark. Well, that's a nice introduction, Garrett. I'm, I'm a little concerned. I, I feel like I'm going to get uh, ambushed here. I've got that look in John May's face. I've been uh, asked to come on last second here. No talking notes, no, no uh, information, but uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Well, I'll be honest, we didn't prepare the ambush beforehand. We, we're not, we didn't prepare any sort of ambush, so if it happens, it's happened naturally. But listen, that's we haven't done that before. I don't know. We'll see. So, Josh, we hastily wrote a few things down before this impromptu session. Maximum preparation here on Sharp Cuts Not. So what are we starting with? Well, I think everyone on this call, we know there's a big connection there. But I want to fill the listeners in first. So I would like to maybe trace back to when John and Mark started working together because uh, John was one of the lucky coaches to work with uh, John Child and Marquis. So was that on the Labatt tour? Was that a little bit before? I know you guys went to the Olympics together. Can you just set the stage for our listeners? And then we can start to build on where the connection really led to, because we're going to get to some stories, but I just want to give the origin story for some listeners who may not be familiar with uh, what they're about to experience here. Well, let me uh, jump in because John might be talking about when he officially became our coach which was after the Sydney Olympics. But I think John was working with me and everybody else on the tour back in the 80s when he was on display as a player. And everybody came to watch him because he was just so entertaining. 
And he was it's really easy there. It's a little bit nice to him right off the bat. Like it's sharp cuts after all. Like, is this a nice show? I guess. He's just, he's just well, protecting himself. He's just protecting <laughs> himself. Because when he was working with everybody, he just, he needed everybody to come and watch him play. Ah, and that's right. how he started working everybody. Yes, there it and is. And I was a young guy watching him play. And yeah, I was just entertained because he was talking about sharp cuts. He just sharp cut into everybody watching his partner in particular, obviously. <laughs> And uh, that was John May. He developed a reputation. Well, uh, I, I can't say if the, you know, to give you some context of how Mark and I first met. Um, yeah, I, I probably ignored him for the first probably 10 years of mm. knowing him uh, just because he was small, mm. not that talented. Uh, mm. and really couldn't even get on the main court. Great start so, to a long-lasting relationship. It turned into, yeah, one of my best all-time friendships, no question about that. But it, it you know, it goes way back uh, to Mark's point. Uh, we met at the Balmy Beach Club, I would think, Mark, is where we probably met on the sand in front of the club there. And uh, the rest is history, that's for sure. Yeah, John didn't notice really anybody but himself. So, you know, the fact that he kind of knew me and doesn't actually remember when we first met, that's not surprising. But, uh, you know, fast forward, it wasn't 10 years. Um, I was 19 when I started playing with the big boys or watching you guys down at Bombay Beach. But only about three years, maybe even two and a half years into that. Trust me, you, uh, you knew me. After the incident, yeah, I only <laughs> <laughs> you know the incident. <laughs> you know the incident because you know well, yeah, I know that. I know when you were playing there, and I pointed out the bread in your teeth was a significant incident for you. I know so much so you had to go and get braces. I get that <laughs> because right. you're and and no disrespect for people with crooked teeth. Well, hold like, on, like, maybe you got to give some context for our place. listeners out there. Well, you know, to give you context, there's, I, several, I gotta, there's several versions of the story, but uh, I, I like John's. It's a good one. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I, do, I don't really want to get into the bread and the teeth, but he did mention it before the show started here. He had to go brush his teeth, make sure he didn't have any food in them because he's been known or he was known <laughs> for for having a loaf of bread in his teeth. Well, so, listen, Mark is bringing the level of preparation on this show to the next level and calling it into question by trying to actually look good and prepare in a talking notes. Like, we're not ready for any of that stuff. So, I mean, we yeah. appreciate it, Mark. No, I hear you. Thank well, you. I, I'm half kidding, but the truth is, um, yeah, when I see the incident, that was, you know, the loaf and the bread, loaf of bread and the teeth, that's not the incident. But that was <laughs> an incident. And... and you know, to give context, once again, John loved to be the center of attention. And one day at the beach, he came on to the court, down to the, to the boardwalk in a suit. He was out there selling the, the sport to the Labatt executives. He came down to the suit, and everybody's playing. There's about four or five courts going. And he made an announcement, something about how he's whatever, selling the tour, and he's the big shooter, whatever he was yapping about. 
And at the time, I was feeling pretty confident. I'm working my way up to the big courts. And I, I said something. I don't even remember what it was. But John saw the opportunity. And he made a big announcement. Hold it. Everybody stop playing. Hold it a second. Peace before you even open your mouth. Get that loaf of bread out of your teeth. And, and that was a funny, <laughs> that was a funny moment. And I was 19 or 20, and I, you know, maybe didn't see it as funny as I do now. But uh, that was the, but that's not. He went, he went right from the beach. He went right from the beach to the orthodontist. <laughs> like it was, he didn't even pass go, didn't even take a shower. He went right to the orthodontist and look he, at his teeth now. They're, they're yeah, perfect. They're, but what a it's brutal not, way to, to hey, treat hey, somebody. Hey, oh my gosh. Not Dad. unlike. Not unlike but, the beginning but of the show, when we, first, he, when we first turned on our cameras, when we first turned on our cameras, Mark came to the show with like, I don't even, look at, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited, I'm salivating. He came to the show, he, he, he had this scrub on, he looked like, well, I don't know what he looked like, it wasn't attractive. Well, and we'll I never know. One, I made one comment, and then he ran and shaved. I like, thought we'd have a good before and after look. I, you know. <laughs> hey, hey, Garrett, with your technology, can you pull up a still of him five minutes ago? Yeah, I mean, I got to no, apologize, Mark. I actually, I absolutely can. I can absolutely do that. So viewers, I'll try to do, do that, that on YouTube. <laughs> absolutely. Because you know what? But all, all kidding aside, you know, what I've learned over the years is that and, and Mark truly is one of my best friends, for sure. He's right up there with Walt Zanell. But um, I have to say this. You have to be careful what you say to people, especially when you're close to them. So this is the lesson you, after Mark explained no, how you no, were no, not I, careful what you said to him back then. I, I just had my 61st birthday. So I've... I've I've evolved. I, I I feel that I've taken a long, hard, you know, look at myself. And you have to be careful what you say to people because you do influence them. Like he went to the orthodontist. I probably cost him and his family 15 grand. And he ran out to shape before the show. So from here on in, I'm only saying nice things. Only nice things. That's my new brand. Well, that's terrible because you only got to be the big shooter by being in your face. And, you know, as as uh, tough that as that was to take the loaf of loaf of bread from the from the king of the beach. I'm some young guy. As tough as that was, it did set the stage for, like you said, our our relationship, which evolved into, uh, you know, you coaching us at the Olympics. And I think that's what, you know, your style and your truth. That you brought. And showed right in that loaf of bread comment. I probably didn't have any food in my teeth, but that, you know, that's that's not the point. He he likes to poke and prod and see what happens. And what happened? Well, uh, yeah, I might have got some some braces, but I also uh, pushed and pushed and wanted to beat you on the beach. And it it um, yeah, you started coaching me from that comment on. So how directly can we correlate the loaf of the in the bread of in the teeth comment to Olympic bronze medal? Well, hold it. You know, I talked about the incident. We haven't talked about the incident I'm talking about. Oh. 
because that loaf of bread incident was that's his incident. The other incident, which I know he knows, happened and and, and it started there because I I wanted to beat John May so badly after that comment in particular, but also because he was the best. And yeah, fast forward a year, two years, maybe 10. And now we're talking about the actual incident where him and Paul Hudson uh, went to a tournament in Quebec, just over the border. I can't remember, Sabla, whatever it was. I got a chance to play with Paul Cox, another kind of rival and friend of John May's, uh, kind of a higher up, up, higher kind of upper echelon player at the time. And um, yeah, uh, fast forward to the semis, 10 all, John May's doing his thing on the court, working everybody in the crowd, talking a big game, yappity yap yap. I'm some young guy, ooh, it's a close game. I'm kind of nervous. I go up and I just hammer one as hard as I can. And it's a phaser. Like it's going fast. I didn't get much top spin and John Mays on D. And, you know, if you can just imagine like the, the best uppercut like, <laughs> you could just give somebody just in the, the right there. That's what happened with the volleyball. And John got uppercut and he lay, he got put, out, put on his back. He lay in a star on Yard the ground and the hush of the crowd. Oh, like everybody, whoa. And I was like, whoa, I just six back the king. <laughs> That's the incident because, you know, that was, that was something and it happened. And, but the way John May reacted to that, Five point. It was ten all. We won fifteen to ten. John May, the king of the beach, folded up so hard. It's it, I've never seen anything like it. He came up and he was swearing, "Shut up, face!" Oh, oh yeah, whoa. He was he was bad. <laughs> and I'm just like, I can't. And and we went on to beat John May, and he drove in his car and went home right away. <laughs> and that was, you know. That was kind of the end of the king on the beach. Uh, there was kind of a new, a, a new generation of players coming, and that was kind of a turning point. Am I wrong, John May? Well, no, it was the. It was. I'm not sure that. I see incident. you're rubbing your chin. Are you still sore from that shot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, is that? <laughs> you still. Well, have I, I do that? have a bit of a displaced jaw from that incident. Uh, I do. You know what? That is another classic moment that we've told that story, or I've listened to you brag about that story <laughs> at least a, at least a thousand times. Well, he got he kind of got. Oh, is that why when we were on the front yard all those years ago, when you're playing Pepper with Mitchell, Mark, your son, you just reefed and pounded one off his face as revenge all those years later? Yes, That's exactly what happened. <laughs> How embarrassing that that stuff has to happen. You, you can't six-pack oh. me, but you go after my seven-year-old son. That's, that's pretty low. Uh, and I'm still doing that. I did it to Maxwell. I got it on video. So, yeah, you know what? That That is definitely an incident that I'll never forget because not only did it practically knock my head completely off, but – as Mark said, I had the crowd eating out of my hand. I was 
chatting it up. At like, 10 all, though? Like, thought, it's only 10 all. No, but I, I don't think it was 10 all when the incident happened. I think it was a bit it worse. Was. I Well, was it 10 all? I thought we were... We were. I thought we were dominating, and and you came back. And also, oh, the fold up was know, even I, worse than ten all. Yes, I, I thought the the fold up was worse. And mm-hmm. I'll admit, I'll admit that that not only did it literally hit me in the mind, <laughs> it it figuratively exploded my mind as as it relates to my focus because not only did Mark take my head off, but his partner who's uh, a bit of a mouthpiece in his own right, and he's not here to defend himself, so I can't really take it too deep, but he embellished it. He was slapping his knee at the end of the court, laughing, and oh, it was it was one of my all-time most embarrassing moments in the sport. Well, it, it, not just your opponent, like John, um, Paul and I turned on you, obviously, but... Oh, the crowd, the crowd. yeah. The crowd yeah. went from yeah. laughing with you and being entertained to laughing at you and and just no. like no 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 the crowd was never reaction was the crowd was never laughing at me okay well I mean when you get packed that hard they probably were okay they were everybody was all right Anyways, can, no, we, can we move on? Do you have well, another that topic? Was the <laughs> story, that, that was no, the we're pulling a John May. We find the vulnerable point and we press on it. Well, I, when, you know what? I'm taking it. I'm feeling it. <laughs> I, I admit. I admit but, in that particular moment, I was beat. But John, I do have to say, he, he, still, he still wouldn't go to tournaments in his last years unless I was there holding his hand. And he'll admit that. Even John Child was like, what are you talking about? You're not going to the tournament because John's not coming. I'm here. We can't rely on him. It's us. This may be the sharpest Uh, cuts of sharp cuts we've ever had, you two. You guys, like, you're escalating the intensity as we go. Holy shit. John, take it easy. Like, take it easy. Just calm down a little bit, okay? We still love you. Everything's fine. You don't have to start making up stories. Like we're talking about true stories. And the question at the beginning was, you know, how did we get started? And I and I just said that was the beginning because, you know, you live, you probably didn't realize you were coaching me, but that was a big moment in my career, you know, beating Sinjin and winning a national team. Six-packing John May would still rank right up there. And um you know, it wasn't long after that we started, you know, just becoming uh, a little bit more communicative and you were kind of guiding me. So lesson to any kids out there looking to get into sport, volleyball, beach, whatever, you're trying to get a good coach player dynamic. Wait for a coach to really chirp you really embarrassingly, then pack them in the face and it'll build a great foundation for a long lasting relationship. That's, you know what, maybe uh, the truth is. John's truths, I, I kind of liked them. The loaf and the bread, loaf of bread and the teeth, uh, you know, all the banter. I kind of liked being pushed, and even now, you know, I don't. I, I kind of like the the in your face style. Um, people might be surprised by that, but I responded very well to John's ways as a coach. And um, oh yeah, to your point, John, you're trying to 
remember the one moment where I decided I didn't want to go to to Brazil to a tournament where you couldn't make it. And yeah, that, you know, there's some truth to that. The truth is I didn't really want to go down. I didn't want to extend the season two months to go to the last tournament in Brazil, where we typically, you know, at the end of the season didn't do fair very well. But and I use that as kind of a, an excuse. John well, May can make it up. I appreciate being your excuse. <laughs> well, you told me from great. an early age, if I ever wanted to use you as an excuse, I always could. So, I mean. True. So, Josh, where were we headed with that? Because it, it, I think we, we, well, we hit something for sure. Yeah, there's a few points I want to pull on there because we've had all three of you on the Passing Nice podcast. And Mark, I'm, I'm interested just your last point there that you like the in-your-face style because when we had John on the show and we brought up your name, he mentioned you had your father's influence. You were already like a high-performance athlete, but you were really internally driven. But it sounds like there was some external stuff happening with coach that maybe pushed you as well. So let's dive into that practice environment when John was your coach. Did that ever boil over? Did uh, John May get on John Child? What were some of those situations like when he was actually your your specific coach on the court? Yeah, you know, I think John John is is unique in the way he coaches, and and you know, he's not going to necessarily go there to the you know to the point where he's pushing you off a a cliff, but he'll nudge you he'll nudge you to the edge. And once he has developed the trust and, and you know that he's actually got your back and, and truly loves you, um, I think, I, you know, and that's where I got to. There's nothing that he could have done or said that would affect uh, me negatively. I, I, just, I just knew he had my back and everything he was saying was to get me better. And I ex- totally accepted I was, I was on board. and. Um, you know, it's you know, if there's something that needs to be said and it's not very nice, um, and I don't want to sound like he was abusive. He's the opposite of abusive. He's just very truthful, and um, I love that. I, I improved quite a bit under um, you know him as a coach. Um, that's not sharp cuts. That's a little bit of truth, but um, yeah, it was it was it was it was great. Well, I guess that's that. I mean, I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> no what, I've heard some stories, you guys. Like, what are some of the weirdest things? Because I know when you spend a lot of time with somebody, especially, well, I know because I was kind of, I wasn't there, but I saw you, you're over at our house at night in the morning. Dad, you're going over. Like, Mark used to live across the street from us, and like, Dad, you'd be up eight in the morning, just walk in the door. Like, Mark, the guys are over at a weird time. It's like you spend a lot of time with somebody, like the ways you can push them, like it eventually gets stale. Like, was there a point where you're starting to do really interesting things, weird things, kind of unique things to keep that kind of intensity and pressure back and forth going? Friend of the show, Jeff Miller, started an amazing golf brand called Club Jason. Designed with quality in mind, Jason sets no limits on comfort, feel, and appeal. They are devoted to growing the game of golf and creating opportunities for those who could benefit greatly from a little extra support. 10% of all sales will go to a Club Jason scholarship for a female golfer. An additional 10% of all sales will go towards junior golf programs in Ontario. Club Jason wanted to pass on some savings to you, official friend of the show. 
Use promo code DIMES, that's D-I-M-E-S, at checkout to receive 15% off your order. Jason also offers free shipping in North America on any order over $99. Visit clubjason.com, that's C-L-U-B-J-S-O-N.com, to check out their amazing clothing and to learn more. Jason, join the club. I think... uh... I think it's a good observation because you, to keep things fresh, you always have to look at new ways to find, you know, ways to stimulate growth. Right. Um, and, and keep it, keep it interesting. You know, I've, I've always, uh, loved Mark's spirit of competition. So regardless of what we were doing, we would, you know, uh, I guess explore the principles of competition. Right. Uh, whatever. Is that a euphemism? Was. Like, I, I don't. I, I'm not sure what you mean by a euphemism. Well, like explore the principles of competition. Like you just compete at anything, basically, is what you're saying. Well, understanding what competing means or what that what that means to be competitive or that desire that we have. You know, there's a fine edge in that between being unhealthy and being healthy, you know, you have to manage that balance between being obsessed with winning and being obsessed with winning. Which yeah, is, I always struggle to find the balance between those two things. It's, it's a difficult. <laughs> it's a it's a difficult edge. Yeah, because, I hear you. Because some would say they're the exact same thing. True, you would, and and it's not because winning, in one sense of the word, is not the score it's the mentality but it's the same word it's sort of like a company called live it live never live. heard of it <laughs> same same word two different two different uses so my point here is that yeah you have to keep it fresh and i i think one thing that comes to mind with mark is it goes without question he's a an extremely hard passionate worker and always wanted to be pushed to his maximum uh sort of call it intensity in training right and to the point where that's where he got comfortable and i i I often thought about well if that's where he's comfortable that's where he wants to get to well maybe we've got to find a way to you know get his uncomfortableness like if he loves competing so much and he loves being pushed well what's a way to find you know to to challenge him in a different way there's two things that come to mind the the on court thing was actually forcing him to come to a practice fully prepared to do what he does and rise his level of training and intensity you know, I didn't change anything. And it, it actually came to me in the instant, to be honest, in the moment, because he was, I could see his intensity almost to an anxiety level that he wanted to work so hard to get ready. And I, and I recall deciding in the moment, well, no, no, here's what you're going to do today, Mark. You're going to sit in a chair just off to the side of the court with your eyes closed for the entire practice. And all I want you to do is I want you to listen in your mind and observe the practice from only the sound and count how many times John Child 
touches the ball in this practice. And I think that those were the you remember when I said that he wasn't abusive? That was maybe an example where, where he crossed the line. No, I, I remember that so, incident, John, because I we had a few days off before this. And I was, you know, we John, when he talks about exploring the uh, you know, uh, competition and and he, you know, the I love being challenged and he challenged me at every on and off the court. And I, you know, we spent at least one hour a day talking about stuff and it was a constant challenge for me. It wasn't easy to talk to John May for an hour every day, but the more I did it, the more I realized that I was growing and, and gaining confidence. And that time, I, I remember he hit me in the mind talking about, um, challenge. I spoke to him for a good half an hour on the way to that practice. And we had a few days off and I said, John, I'm, I'm fired up for this practice. Like, like bring it. I'm, I'm ready. Oh, and he said, Oh, you're ready. Are you? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> and I got there and he's like, okay, everybody warm up, Mark. No, just hold off. Just, you know, sit over there for just for a second. I'll be over there in a second. <laughs> okay, everybody, let's do this. Let's do that. Pepper. Warm up, Mark. Hold off, hold off. Just give me a moment. And he came over, and he started every every ten or fifteen minutes. He'd come over and add something. Okay, yeah. Close your eyes. Listen for this and that. John touching sets. George, George Lubacek, he was there. You know, add that. How many times is he touching the ball? Keep track of it, Mark. This is this is great. Oh yeah, I'll be back. I'll be back for two hours. I sat there twiddling my thumbs. Thinking and hearing and 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 that was um, pretty frustrating for me. Um, was was there a purpose to your uh, methods there, John? That I just came to you and and I'll I'll, I'll hit Mark in the in the mind today. I know what I learned, but I'm letting you letting you talk a little bit about it. I think in hindsight, it was yeah, just for you to <clears throat> build an awareness about. Uh, you know, your need to find your comfortable place and what you're, what you're normally, uh, you know, what normally gets you there. Well, try to get there without those normal circumstances, because the world's not going to constantly lay in front of you a nice path to walk upon, even if you've found the right way to get to your zone. It's going to throw you chaos. And if you're not prepared to, you know, be in the moment and, and be comfortable in what, you know, the chaos is, you know, it's going to be it's going to be challenging for you when, you know, the time comes and you have to perform and, you know, something's a bit out of whack. So that I guess that in yeah, hindsight, John, John pulled up, you know, he just he just uh, Flying by the seat of his pants, he decided to do that. It like wasn't I said, any purpose. Let's face it. Yeah, like did it have anything to do with the fact this display of coaching? A yeah. terrible display of coaching. Yeah, like two questions <laughs> I got on that. One, Mark, in your mind, does it ever crop in to go, you know, this guy's been pretty good for me so far, but is it possible he's completely snapped? And two, Dad, does it have anything to do with the fact that you might have had five at practice and you're like, ah? shoot, I've got five guys at practice. Hmm, maybe I'll just have Mark sit out and I'll make this thing up. 
Yeah, you know what? I, I'm go ahead, Mark. <laughs> John, John was you know, and I liked it. I loved how John came completely unprepared to practice, and just observed and said, "This is what we're doing." And you know, the chaos that he was, he talks about. Yeah, some of those practices was practices were pretty chaotic, and I saw. I I like that. I I could I would do anything. You you trying to throw me off? I'm ready. And you know I I think in in the end that did actually prepare me for you know the real thing. And uh, you know what I got out of that day, John. Um, again, I had to find ways to make this work. Um, and mm-hmm. I got out. You know what? Why was I getting so pumped up for practice? Ever seen Alan Iverson's uh, famous interview? We talk Why about can't practice. I get that fired up for a match. Why can't I just get so? Because you know, when you, when you go to the World Tour, you're actually approaching it a little bit differently. You're, you know, wow, you're not as fired up. You got more nerves, and and I thought to myself, maybe that's what he's trying to help me help me find. It, it wasn't. Yeah, but I mean, I, maybe you, know, you make things work, Garrett. You make things always, hey. them, where we we weren't paying them the big bucks. Right. I've, okay. always, been, I've always been the <laughs> you first. You get what you pay for, I guess. <laughs> hey, I have always been the first to admit I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, you heard it here first, folks. We're doing a redo <laughs> poll. Favorite guest with that context. I don't know what I'm doing. I do what I know. But but you then you about it. Flip, flip it you and don't. just take that first part. <laughs> yeah, like, but I don't. Yeah. If yeah. you don't know what you're doing, but Look then you do you what got. you know, but you don't know what, but it, you don't, I don't listen, like. Listen, listen, listen. If we're going to continue on this line, I'm going to just cheer you guys because you're sheep. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm getting back to the point then, host of the show. Was it or was it not? Because there were five dudes at practice. Ah. <laughs> uh. I don't remember how many were there. There was probably nine people. We had so many people. He invited anybody. And uh, we had so many people come through our practices. Again, John, I think, just likes to be the entertainer. Oh, you want to come? Yeah, come watch me coach. (laughs) Uh, Sure, you're invited. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Well, Well, as a matter of fact, we're we're training for the Olympics for John and Mark. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a secondary thing. I think think at the world championships in Brazil, or maybe it wasn't the world championships, maybe it wasn't Brazil, but I do remember uh, not, and it never felt like I forced you because there wasn't a debate, but you and John, we were having a session and then I said, well, um, you know, who's going to join this session is, uh, those two women that uh, used to uh, travel on the tour, and and she 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 became a lawyer, very successful. She was very passionate. Um, Rebecca Moskowitz. Yes, Rebecca and her partner Mark. Do you remember that? That I I Josh I, with the poll. Are you kidding me, Josh? That was yeah, no information. Lawyer, <laughs> lawyer for sure popped it for sure. Yeah, they they wanted to to train with somebody, so I had them 
and you guys were doing a light session. I I had them in the session. Do you remember that, Mark? No. Okay, well maybe in, it didn't in Brazil training for the world championships. Yeah, no, you... it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't the world championships because Rebecca wouldn't have been there. I, I forget where it was, and you know what? Because I'm now 61, maybe it wasn't you. Maybe it was a another team that I was <laughs> coaching. Okay, that yeah. does sound like you. Yeah, like yeah, like I, 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 I never, I never would want to exclude anyone who wanted to be in a training session if they have the 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 fourth right to step up and say, Hey, can I come and train with you and these guys? I do that. And I can remember a lot of guys somewhat regretted it. I can remember guys after their first training session with you guys. I remember Aaron Cadu crying, like not, not that crying and emotions are, you know, bad or whatever, but I can remember him crying like a baby because he, <laughs> he realized. Hold on, you're no stop. You're you're calling out Aaron for crying like a baby after one of your practices. Yeah, but Aaron would appreciate it too because if he was on the show, he would he he would recognize. And it was it was because his emotions were just spilling out because it was such a <laughs> no, it was such a. No, what no, the it's it's not it's not actually funny. It's open. His, well, his well, emotions. It, it sounds so ludicrous. Like your practices are so emotional and cut right to the core that Aaron's just breaking down, bawling on the side of the court post practice. <laughs> I know in that awe of your coaching genius. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But his he recognized Mark his his level his physicality. He just. He he just wasn't at that place, and he was just <laughs> yeah. Garrett and and Josh like several times because so many different you know I, I think we counted one time there was thirty seven different partners that came through our our sessions over the course of a of a winter you know off season, and so many times I, I'd look at John as like, are we even like? Has he spoken to us yet? He's coaching everybody else. That comes <laughs> Are we involved at all in this practice plan? Uh, no, I do remember, though, you know, Paul Cox. Remember, uh, you mentioned him earlier. I remember Paul and maybe one other, maybe it was Rich Van Heusen that yeah. first came to our practice, you, you know, excited to, to get involved. I think they walked out after you know, two separate incidents. They walked out <laughs> after the warm up because it was too like they were too tired yeah. like our warm-up i mean i mean we worked hard and oh, our yeah. Warm -up, the, yeah. like paul's looking at me like are we like it's 10 minutes in and i can't even breathe i'm ready to to yak and he just got up and left <laughs> yeah. yeah and it, you know what and it, it, it's not it wasn't here's the thing as i reflect on that it wasn't the the um it wasn't like you were running lines or you were having to do, you know, grueling punishment. It was just the intensity of having to, you know, manage like work. It was, it wasn't like your normal, Hey, this is a casual beach volleyball thing. You were running rallies and, you know, in concession and you're, you were always under, under what I would like to call it some type of pressure. 
whether it's mental or physical or, you know, you came there and you were working for two hours. And I think with, if I can fast forward to my last or my, you know, with Christina and Jamie. I was about to do that. Okay. Well, the, the, the intensity of their training sessions, you know, they, they just became used to it. And then your, your physicality and your touches, like I would, I would bet you probably get, and I, I, it would be a bad guess, but you get a hundred more touches in one of my sessions than you would when you're just down there, you know, casually doing what you do or, or under somebody else's tutelage now, depending on who it is, but for sure. The, the, the truth is, oh, sorry, Gary, you wanted to say something there. Go ahead. Well, that's very nice of you. We don't often get that on Sharp Cuts, so I appreciate the deference well, you there, were, Mark. You were making a lot of gestures. Like well, it, I got to I gotta jump in because I love the talk about the intensity of practice. I think it's hilarious that those guys laughed after 10 minutes. But that's in stark contrast to a story that friend of the show and previous guest Oscar Kahu told about a training session with Olympians Christina Valius and Jamie Broder, how he shows up completely hungover, unprepared for practice, and says he feels great leaving that. Well, maybe things changed. Uh, you know, it was a, a good five, six, ten years in between the John coaching John and I and, and Christina and Jamie, but um, I'm not sure well, why. Because, I think I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because one thing I do have is a bit of a sensitivity as you said mark i'm not gonna take you over the edge and i knew i could smell oscar coming into the yeah, okay. uh, venue so yeah. i wasn't about to i wasn't about to destroy the guy uh because it would it wouldn't serve the larger objective so yeah, I, if you I bury that you guy were, early then you only have three people for practice yeah. then you got <laughs> but, three people exactly so and, and we used to have seven or eight people and coaches observing and i remember that john because you know i I, i'm talking about how you like bringing people in watch me coach the truth is i loved seeing who was there at practice and and kind of kind of showing off like because we were we were working hard we were at a high level in my in my recollection like and people came in they were wowed about what we were doing and how we were doing it and, you know, and I remember one in particular, John Barrett, who got involved, you know, was interested in, in the beach and, you know, you, you're good friends with him, John. And he started cutting, yeah, big fella. And he came in and was watching. And I just remember at the end of our practices, we used to finish with some intense, you know, repetition, fatiguing drills. And I just remember John Barrett just observing the whole time. And he was right beside our court. and. I remember just, you know, at my best. And I, and I just, you know, John Barrett didn't say anything, but I just remembered feeling like I'm, you know, I'm showing off in front of John Barrett. He's sitting there thinking, wow. And he might have a different story, but that's, I, I do remember, I, I enjoyed bringing people in because we were kind of showing off, Right. And how did, John, did you feel that way too? Like we were impressing everybody. We were building our building our thing. You know, people weren't used to what a practice would look like on the beach, you know, back then. And to be honest with you, I, I wasn't I wasn't right sure. Like it wasn't like there was a playbook that we read to 
here's how it's going to get done. As you said, I just made everything up um, more or less as I went. But I, I was able to, I think, you know, with you guys and your talent, you know, create a bit of a show in the practice. So it was part it of it too, like, hey, everybody coming in to watch. I didn't plan this and it's still better than what you're doing. Well, I don't think it was a judgment on how other people were running sessions because... Maybe that's just me projecting. Yeah, no, no. Okay, well, that, that that you know, it wasn't about that. I remember Wally Diba, you know, coming and wanting to learn. But it, it fascinated me, somebody who was a, literally a professor of the sport, uh, a, a very, what would be considered to be a technical guy, you know, he had it. He was very scientific to his approach. You know, once you have that foundational understanding of the game, you know, you may you may just hang on to that, and that's what you focus on. Where is if you're focused on that, sometimes it takes away from your broader awareness of what's going on within the individuals that you're training, whether they're you know what intensity they're. They're physically at, mentally where they're lying. And I used to, I used to love to, and Mark, you'll know this. I used to love to try to take people to what I called the slippery slope. And the slippery slope is when you're it's just that, you're on a slippery slope. And if you can play and perform on a slippery slope and maintain your level, then then that's great training. Uh, not that you do it all the time, you know, because it's funny. I guess. When I when I start talking about every session wanting to get to the slippery slope and put people in that uh, frame of mind, I get defensive because there needs to be a, a non-consequence based style of training as well. Like you can't get your reps down unless you're performing under non-consequence based activities. Why are you changing your voice there? Like what? what because I'm speaking in a non-consequence based style. I thought you were starting to well up a little bit. Uh, well, I, I, maybe no. it sounded a bit more intense. I don't know. I was a bit scared. Like, are you okay? No. Okay. Well, don't I, there you guys go. You're way too sensitive. Well, you immediately bring up the non-consequential. It's like, no, there's consequences right now. Exactly. There you go. Because there is always consequences to every pass you make. So it just, I found it interesting. I don't know what got me on the slippery slope, but well, are you on the slippery slope right now? I would, I would like to see John, you know, I would like John child to come on this show and talk about the slippery slope with John, John may, because it was easy to get me on the slope and probably more challenging to get John on the slope. He was a little more skeptical about, you know, just handing over the reins to a coach. Hey, you know, you coach us and tell us what to do. He was a little more, um, yeah, individual, uh, well, not as easy to well, sell. Josh, Josh Nickel and I had a session on his uh, Passing Dime show where Subscribe. I I alluded to the com, you know, to the the relationship with John Child, and uh, John Child, obviously a, a, an extremely unique athlete in more ways than one, so. I would love sometime to to have him on this show or on any show or even maybe really address the conversations that we had and address the relationships and a number of things. We would definitely have some laughs because I, 
I love John. His sense of humor. Is Sorry, awesome. you, yeah, just, you just mentioned that you'd love to have him on this show. Like, like, like just, I, I just want to, are you, are you booking guests? Are we, what is this? Well, I'm, I'm actually thinking he might be a good replacement for you. Well, I mean, that's fair because it's been a few episodes. We've had people question us and say, Hey, we could do this better than you guys. And I just want to be clear. If that's what you're saying, I mean, come right out and say it. Well, no, I, I just meant the collective we. I'm not booking guests, but I did have to get Heese on the show. Well, listen, a you, big shooter like Heese, we, we need to pull out all the big guns. Are you kidding me? This is an honor. Yeah, it is. It is great to talk to him. So let's hear more from him. What's our next topic? Well, I, again, with the connection of the people we have on the call, I want to understand the balance of something you value in as an athlete and when you try to pass that on as a coach and it doesn't take. So when we had Garrett May on the Passing Knife Show, he mentioned Mark was really focused and liked to take mindful morning notes. But when Garrett uh, had the opportunity to do that, he just felt it wasn't going to work for him. So I want to understand the balance where, Mark, that was something so based in your routine and you really valued. And now you have this athlete that you care about who's not going to pick up these same habits that you believe in. Like, how do you go in a new direction as a coach? Or do you ever dig in and say, no, this is something that I know works and you're going to do it whether you want to or not. Like, where, where is the balance of, of passing on these values and also letting them choose their own way? Well, you know, it, it is about them choosing your own way. So, you know, as a coach, and even now when I coach younger teams, um, there's some principles that I certainly would want everybody on the team or whether it's a beach or indoor team to, to understand and to, um, you know, do their best to adopt because principles are, are the upper, you know, umbrella over everything, but the methods and especially on the beach, you know, I'll introduce something, but that's, you know, and, and see what happens. And, you know, these mindful morning notes, this mindfulness, um, questions, reminders, uh, just to get you in the right mindset, you know, it was important piece for me connecting, you know, beach volleyball and, and my life. And, and, you know, as a mature athlete, Garrett, when we, I introduced that to him, he was still a teenager. And even when I talk about it now to young people, that's not important. I mean, it, it's, it's harder to, to understand or not understand, but harder to, to adopt something, it's probably they look at me. Uh, that's some old school technique, and that's okay. Uh, there's there's lots of people that you know um, have have their own ways, and, and it is about finding your own way. Garrett, did he um, did he want to do that? I don't know. I, I guess I guess not. Um, but he certainly did a, a bunch of things that um, that um, you know we introduced, and that just wasn't one of them. I, I think it was. I don't know. Garrett can speak to that, but um, it's about finding your own way. And he's. Yeah, he's at what point his, do we cut him and, off? Like, God, and, and I, look I, at him now. He's right about the there. Of cuts. Like, I think it's an interesting question that Josh asked, to be honest. And I think Mark was touching on it. But I think what I'm a little bit more interested in is because I think we're a pretty interesting trio here where, like, Dad, you coached Mark for so long. You also coached me as I'm your son. Like, we lived in the same house for, you know, 23, 24 years. But then there was a lengthy period where, Mark, you're also helping me, coaching me. Um, and, I, and there's stuff that was definitely passed along. Like, I think if people talk to the three of us, I think a lot of people would say, oh, that seems really familiar um, to the others, right? I think it's similar with, with John a little bit as well. 
um, and Reed and just everybody who was part of kind of our our community there. But uh, I'm kind of interested in what doesn't make it on. You know what I mean? And I don't think it's something I can answer for sure. But like, because dad, you're passing stuff on to Mark, trying to get him to do stuff, trying to get me to do stuff. Mark then with me. And it's like, there's stuff that's not happening along the way. I'm kind of curious what, like what we think that is like, what's not happening. You know what I mean? Well, I, I, you know, one thought that comes to mind in that, and Mark alluded to it is that, you know, there's a customization within every athlete and their, you know, their story, their plan, their, it's theirs. And so, and that's all we're really doing is grabbing what, what sticks for us from each period. I'm not a journal, journal, journaler, or I don't journal. And I, I don't do it because I, I don't get it. I don't get the feeling to write down what I'm feeling. I know what I'm feeling. Why would I write it down? When I write it down, yes, there's a, there's a whole logic behind it, but it's like, it's like, I just feel it. So I know, I know what it is and I can tap back into those feelings. I don't need to say, Oh, Hey, I was feeling this. If I look back, it's nice to look back, but it it just didn't grab with me. So I didn't introduce that to, to Mark but I hear about journaling all the time now that it's the way to go. And, you know, you got to do that. I, I don't see it. So for me, that doesn't stick. Uh, interesting. I was listening to a motivational speaker. I was telling Josh, uh, Steve Harvey, who's the family feud host. I love the guy. He's hilarious, but he's also a passionate motivational speaker. And in the speech today, he's saying education is useless. <laughs> don't you? It doesn't matter. I'm not sure if that's the message we want to be passing on on Sharp Cuts, you know, like let's, we can maybe, is that our message here? No, but that's how powerful the guy felt about education. He said, it doesn't matter if you went to Harvard or it doesn't matter if you went to college, da, da, da. And he had a message behind it, right? So I think when you just take things literally for what the, the tangible piece is or you don't even consider the tangible beliefs and you just, you know, uh, look at the intention or the culture around something, you never get the whole, the whole, you know, there are principles to success and they vary from individual as, as much as fingerprints. So, okay. That's why, you know, journaling, I'm not sure how that relates because the (laughs) are not journal It's not journaling, but, Either way, you know, Garrett, you're kind of stubborn and, and that's okay. You know, you, and that's, you know, if something didn't stick, it didn't stick. I mean, we had eight months to, that I kind of coached you leading up to a world championship that you eventually won. So, you know, whether you adopted mindful morning notes or not, like, you know, that's, you, you, I guess you were right not to. Or, or you know, or not. Oh, you know, so it, notes aren't journaling. It's not journaling. Notes, What's a journal? What? Notes aren't journaling. No. That's visual. what journaling is, writing it's down not, notes. I'm not no sure we writing. want that close up there, Dad. Our, uh... there's, no, there's no writing. There's no journaling. In, in no so, notes. Yeah, you, you're not even, you don't even know what we're talking about, I guess. But I do. You way. don't make notes? No. Oh. No notes. Well, then why is it called mindful morning notes? <laughs> you can call it 
You can call it whatever you want. I actually called it. Why don't you greatness. just call it mindful morning? I call it everyday greatness. That's what I called it. Oh, another thing you stole from me. It's awareness trainer. Well, I'm curious because, Dad, you say you don't journal. You're not taking notes, whatever. Semantics, boys. But the one thing you do do is lecture. And we got them every Sunday morning. So you're talking about morning. There was a Sunday morning lecture. I'm curious, Mark, because I I catch myself doing it to other people sometimes. And I got to remind myself, I'm like, oh, damn, like I'm kind of doing what was done to me. Or do you find yourself, you bring your kids in 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 the nook in Sunday morning, just in your NHL boxers and give them a full on lecture for two hours? Or is that something that didn't progress? No, I learned my lesson because I heard so many of those lectures from John. And you, and you remember, we weren't paying him much. So we had to put up with certain, certain habits. And the, and the long lectures, actually, it was kind of a, a good rest day. I, you know, I, I pretended like I was really listening, but I just had a nice break from it all. Right. And John got his thing out and, and everybody was happier at the end of them. Um, no, I don't do that to my kids. I never got my thing out. Okay, let's <laughs> just, just be clear. You got well. You're no, right. It was not part of it. Thing out. I mean, you <laughs> wore those boxers like they were shorts. I had my NHL boxers, okay, but I never had my stick. Okay. Well. Whoa. Okay. What the heck? I thought we were going to go the full, the full two hours or the full hour without an issue, and here you go messing things up, Dad. Christina called me. Okay. I, I My friends have a legendary recollection of you and those NHL boxers giving lectures because Sunday we're trying to hang out with the boys. Like we're trying to do some stuff, go play yard hockey, whatever. Oh my gosh, here we go. Anyways, so they come over and we're in the middle of the Sunday lecture and they're getting caught right in the crossfire. And you're like, oh, no, no, come in, come on, no, enjoy, sit down. And then it's another hour. We're with these guys now. we got to reiterate the whole message. So it was a mindful morning lectures on Sundays. Is, uh, is that what it was? I, I, used to, I used to call it pontificating. You know, sometimes I'd walk into Beach Blast Mark there during, you know, during the, the warm-ups or whatever, and I'd just... I would. I guess I'd lecture and just, I just speak what was on my mind. It was a bit lecturery, I guess. But you know, I, I can't. Everybody I can't has apologize. their methods. Some are journalers. Some are lecturers. Yeah. Some are pontificators. Yeah. And yeah. some don't really yeah. care about that stuff and and go and win a world championship anyways. Yeah, I mean, I hear everybody's doing that these days. So I mean, there you go. Well, both of you guys are living on, you know, your past successes. Um, you with your three-time Olympics, and it was, you know, I can remember we had a big party. Hey, let's celebrate Heath and Child's bronze medal that happened like 200 years ago. Which, you know, let's let's talk about let's when talk about party? who's really. No, let's talk about who's well, taking over. Was that party like a week after the Olympics, or was that? Let's. Let's talk about who's taken over as the real, real ambassadors of what we're doing 
And that's our. our I agree. It's women. sharp cuts. Garrett May and Josh Nickel taking over yes. as the ambassadors. Take this show—that's where it's starting, right here, my boys. No, you're yeah. you're right, John. Let's let's get to the new gen, next generation. Forget this old school stuff. Like, who's going to bring home, you know, the net the next the next big news for beach volleyball in Canada? I think we we uh, all know who we're talking about. Well, I'm predicting it right here, and I don't mean holding it back. Our next. Olympic gold medalists, which are going to be happening this end of July, is uh, Sarah Pavin and Melissa Hermanaparadis. There's no question they're going to win. I'll predict, and I'm not afraid to say it, because they're they are the best. They're they're doing all the right things, and they're going to win. Well, that brings our gold medal predictions up to two on the show now. As we had, we asked Sam Schachter the question: Hey, what are the expectations going into? The Olympics, man, like you're probably going to qualify. Like, what can we expect? And he said, well, we're, we're going to win. We're going to go there to win. So, I mean, wouldn't that be great to see Canada double podium? Or triple podium. Triple podium. And our indoor teams may be making a splash, Josh. I think in a big way, the men are going to have a big year. I think City has a shot, too. There's going to be so many volleyball medals. Could be the biggest year uh, if, if it happens. Are, are we sure that the Olympics are going to happen? Right. Well, it's funny. We asked Sam about that because he's basically, they're kind of qualified, not fully, but sort of. And uh, he was like, they don't even know. So we don't even know. We have no news to report here on Sharp Cuts, unfortunately. Well, you know what? It, regardless of whether the Olympics happen or they don't happen or whether, you know, we get medals or not, the great thing about the timing of where we're at and coming out of this pandemic is it's the perfect time for volleyball to unite. And we are going to come together as a community coming out of this COVID and we're going to stand for something great. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, are, are you trying to tease something? Podiums to that would be uh, you know, a good, for, good part of the formula. Yeah. Well, Josh, I have to leave. I have to leave the show. Yeah. I, I, well, we were just about to shut it down. So um, this is usually how we end, guys. We just kind of get to a point where one of us has to leave because we've had enough. Okay. Well, you know what, Mark? Great to see you. And, John, before you, John, before you go, are you wearing your NHL boxers right now? Great question. It is. It is the weekend morning, and you are you are pontificating and lecturing a little bit. Are you are you are you wearing your boxers right now? I'm always wearing those boxers. <laughs> boxers. All right. Well, thanks you guys hey, for joining, Josh. Josh, why don't you close us out and uh, and we'll move on. Well, thanks everybody for listening or watching on YouTube, and thanks to our, our guests here. I feel like John May's a regular, but Marquise, thanks for being a guest. We'll have to get you back on soon. So this episode will come out Monday on YouTube, Yes Guy Gaming, and you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can find it anywhere. And new Passing Knives episodes every Friday. Thanks for listening, everybody. This was a good one. Thanks, Gary. Good fun. <laughs>